0: All right, well, we might as well get started. Fred called me last night, and uh let me know that Ron wasn't gonna be here until it's time for the funeral and uh he was like, "So what kind of ideas do you have for uh having the service be over at eleven <laughs> thirty and I was like, well, uh, I think if we if we maybe start song service at ten thirty ish or close." Close to it. I think we can keep it short and we can probably wrap it up by then. So, that being the case, I'm just going to dive right in. God, we thank You for Your Word. And this morning, what we pray is that You would meet with us in this place, that You would speak to us. God, that Your Word would come alive to us. It would come alive in our hearts. That You'd minister to our souls. God, that, that today, God, we would go away from this place saying that we've heard from You. God, that You have spoken to us. God, teach us. Open our ears. God, and plant these things inside of us. God, we're, we're not just learning these things intellectually, God, but we're asking You to plant them inside of us. God, to, to make them have life inside of us. God, we just ask it in your name God, do these things, accomplish your will in your church and let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In your name we pray it. Amen. And amen. Uh, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I think that's where I wanted to go. Uh yes, can't tell if it's just the lighting in here or what that uh, my shirt is like blinding me out of the corner of my eyes. <sighs> Let's see, it's really super bright. Ever see somebody that has like a like a tie or something? You feel like it needs a volume knob on it? <laughs> turn that down just a little bit. All right, uh, so let's see. Oh, man, where to start? I'm going to start in verse 10. It's difficult sometimes to find a good place to start. So... Of course, I know you guys are all familiar with the trial of your faith being more precious than gold. He's just been talking about that Uh, and and, uh, receiving the end of your faith. In verse 9, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported to you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So he's talking about this salvation, this gospel message that that the church is carrying. And uh, I'm talking about how you know this has been... Uh, you know the prophets had talk had told us about this beforehand, and uh, and as they were as they were preaching these these prophecies they were they were looking forward to now and so you know the church uh, in this day uh so so different than than what we have today. Yeah, you know, I'm all for having a nice building and 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 all that stuff. Uh, nice nice things, you know, to to come have church in. Uh, it's funny how you know you see a lot of like brand new churches. They don't look like churches. They look like I don't know, like a shopping mall or like a bookstore or something like that. You know, and uh, maybe I'm old fashioned, but we looked at this church in Ottawa. That was uh, just old school, you know. Had the wood floors, the wooden pews, the stained glass, and like the cathedral ceiling. It's like, yes, that's a church. I like it. You know, this is you know, back in this time we're talking about a church that wasn't concerned with buildings and, and things because they understood that that the church isn't in a building, that the church isn't a people and uh so they have uh they had a whole different mindset than than the United Statesian insular church that we have nowadays um, and it's like we talked last week it's like in the no in the last times perilous times shall come, but not to me you know, that's that's kind of how we think in in the West um, but he says so he's talking about this the this gospel being preached and and the the value of it so he says in verse 13 and the whole reason I I wanted to read that was because verse 13 starts with wherefore it's like saying so and uh so if you start out a a a statement with so then it sounds like you're picking up from somewhere Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, verse 13. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace which is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Yeah. You know, I like this hoping to the end, because of course Jesus said that he that durst at the end, the same should be saved. Uh, this word is could also be translated perfectly instead of to the end. So hope perfectly. For the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, and this is the word apocalypse. Uh, if you listen to the the, uh, the services that get streamed from Honduras, or you go back and read the DVDs and listen to the DVDs and stuff from years ago, the interpreter always says apocalypsis, because that's how they say it in in uh, in Spanish. Which uh, you know we think you know in in English we have apocalypse you know and we think like it's this you know. Great destroying of all things, you know, and that's how we've, you know, taken this word, and because I guess because English speakers have this this right to make words mean whatever they want, we've changed apocalypse to mean something that it didn't mean, because in the Greek it didn't mean destruction and, and finality; it meant disclosure or appearance. Uh, there's it's a really interesting study if you go through. And look at all the places where uh, the English uh, uses the word uh, "coming," um, because there's several different words that it uses there and in, in the Greek. Um, and of course, it changes depending on what Bible you have. I heard this great thing the other day, uh, where he said the preacher said, "You know, you don't have to have a King James Bible to go to heaven. They'll give you one when you get there." But you might as well have one now, because you don't want to stand in that long, and long, embarrassing line. So, I thought that was awesome. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind to be sober, and hope perfectly, hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation, at the appearing, at the disclosure, at the manifestation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves, or not fashioning yourselves, excuse me, according to the former lust in your ignorance. When you write all over your Bible, it's easy to read the wrong word. Because this word fashioning, you know, fashioning is a good word. Uh, it's a little old fashioned for the way that we talk nowadays. And so, conforming would be a better word, perhaps, for our thinking. So, it says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves. To the former lusts and your ignorance, so of course Jesus is the cornerstone, so when we meet him, we don't just keep going in a straight line and uh, so if you know if you meet him and you keep going in a straight line, you miss something and uh, and so you got to go back to that cornerstone but but you can't so he says you can't conform yourselves to your former Former lust, your former desires, the things that, that you wanted to do, the things that you did before you met Christ—you can't just go back and live that way. And uh, and and so you know he says that we can't that we're not conforming ourselves to it. And then, and then he qualifies that statement by saying, "But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation." Because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. That's what I wanted to talk about today, is this idea of holiness. It's funny how, like I said, in English, you know, you can use a word enough times that, uh, in, or in a certain context enough, that you start thinking of it as meaning something it doesn't mean, like apocalypse. Uh, you can uh, start to associate Uh, a word with something negative even though it's not um here's a uh, potentially dangerous example i spent a long time in construction and as you probably know lots and lots of uh construction trades uh are the, the work a lot of the work is predominantly performed by latin americans and so um on the other side of that coin you have the these like red-blooded redneck white guys you know right <laughs> potentially dangerous bulletproof pulpit um and so you know a lot of them they don't make any distinction between uh, 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 mexicano hondureño salvadoreño they don't they don't care they're all Mexicans you know and uh if you work in in a construction trade long enough mexican kind of becomes a bad thing people use it in a negative way and to this day i know better but when i hear the word mexican i cringe like i'm thinking like someone's using a bad word so we can you know we can change things like that and holiness has kind of gotten that same sort of treatment in the church because of course we had these these doctrines and these teachings, these churches that, that talked about holiness, but it became a matter of you know how thick is your eyeliner and are you wearing a tie? Did, did you wear long sleeves uh, and things like that? And um, if and if, if your approach to holiness is like that, then it, it is such a joyless, sterile kind of holiness that. Nobody's going to want to be around you because you're not going to be good, no one's going to be good enough for you. And, and that's not the kind of holiness that God's talking about here. He says, be holy because I'm holy. And uh, so, one, another thing, as long as we're talking about words meaning something other than what they used to mean, he says, uh, in verse 15, he says, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And that's a great word, conversation. Because it's easy to get unholy in your conversation. Just get nice and upset about something, you'll find out how unholy your conversation can get. Uh, but you know, when you dig into the word conversation, uh, if you look at what it, what did it mean 400 odd years ago when they translated the King James Bible into English, it didn't mean a discussion didn't mean two people or several people talking about something back and forth. It meant your conduct. It meant your way of life. Uh, and, and you can see that more clearly I think. like If you go back to um, I want to say it's Samuel uh, where uh, the story of uh, David's men talking to uh, Nabal's people out in the fields and and they, they go and they ask Nabal for an offering mm-hmm. and all that. And, uh, of course, Nabal sends him this really uh, churlish answer. And and the, the servants are all talking to each other. And they said that, you know, we were safe out there with David's men the whole time we were conversant with them. And, you know, so it sounds like to the, the modern American reader that, it, that he's saying that it's like, you know, we were safe the whole time we were out there, you know, shooting the breeze with them. And that's not what he meant. He meant while we were out there living among them, or they among us. Like, while we while we were in that way with them, we were safe. So he says, so he's not just talking about the stuff that comes out of your mouth, although that's a great indicator, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he said, be holy in all manner of conversation. Be holy in all manner of conduct or behavior or way of life. That's That's a lot more broad than just how you talk, because you can... You know, you could stab somebody in the back while you hug them and say all kinds of nice things to them, you know. But in your heart, you're thinking, "God, take that smile from me now, brother." You know? <laughs> you know. So, but that's not holy, is it? It might be holy conversation to somebody on the outside that just saw you being like, "Hey, Lord, bless you, pat, pat, pat." You know. But but God sees the heart. So he says in verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And uh, he's, he's quoting here from, of all places, the book of Leviticus. And uh, in, in chapter 19. And, and it's surrounded by all kinds of stuff that, that I would be uncomfortable discussing in, in church. That uh, of as far as things that he's telling the children of Israel, this is what you're not going to do. This is what you're not going to do. This is what you're not going to do. Because this is all the stuff that the people in Canaan have been doing. That And this is the reason that that, that I am uh, getting rid of them. In one place he says that the land vomited out its inhabitants because they were so vile. They said this is what we're not going to do. We're going to be holy. But you know what's great... Uh it's a great statement, be ye holy. You know, it reminds me of Matthew five forty eight. Be ye therefore perfect. It's really pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And so it's one of those statements that kind of just makes you if you're honest with yourself, makes you think, Oh dear. It's like, well, I tried the whole perfect thing. I I, I tried the whole being holy and perfect and and all that stuff, and uh, you either get really good at pretending until you have fooled yourself, or or you or you you're honest with yourself and, and decide you know what I can't can't do any better than this. Yeah. You know, and you know you can see how nice and crisp and clean and pretty everything looks in here. Had a couple of our guys in here painting this week, and one of the guys. He's just a young guy. He's like 26. I mean, he's like, you know, barely old enough to drive. And he—he uh, he was. we were talking to him about coming and working on the church. He's like, oh, cool. I've never worked in a church before. And I was like, well, you know, this isn't, our building is not precisely like what you're thinking of a church would look like. But, um, but you know, talked to him a little bit about, kind of described it for him. And uh, he's like, wow. He's like, well, hopefully I don't burst into flames when I walk through the doors. <laughs> Like, okay, but he's been in church before and, and he knows, you know, we, we've had discussions about how churches like to take an offering and, and things like that. and um, So, you know, I was thinking, actually, I want to burst into flames when I walk through the door at the church. You know, that's kind of what God does to you, you know, not not to consume you, but to consume you. If you've never listened to Mark Rutland uh, preach that sermon, uh, power not power, you should because it's awesome. Because he's like, no, guys, I'm not talking about power. I'm talking about power. I'm not talking about a kingdom. I'm talking about a kingdom. You know, and it's it's awesome. So it's like I'm not. I don't, I don't want to be burst into flames. I want to be burst into flames. So. Uh, so. So is he is he saying to us then? that you're, I expect you to be holy and I expect you to, to toe the line like we talked about last week? Or is he saying, I'm going to make you holy? Yes. It's both. Because you, your your actions and your behavior will never merit you the, the ticker tape parade at the pearly gates. There will be no ticker tape parade. We already had that when Jesus uh, uh, had his triumphal entry into into the, the heavens. But uh, every, you know, you're going to get to there, and and you're going to be everybody's going to be cheering and be so glad you're there, and you're going to be saying, "Man, no, it's like, but it was all him." It was like he just picked me up and dragged me through life because I couldn't do it. But that does, and that, and your salvation will always be that, because it's based on the blood of Christ, and anything other than that negates the blood of Christ, and it, it cheapens it, and makes it something that it, that He never intended it to be. You could never, you could never do something other than accepting that blood to get to heaven. That's not to say, however, that He doesn't expect you to behave he doesn't expect you to strive towards holiness because there's a value in the relationship with him that when you when you love somebody you don't push their buttons you don't make them upset at least not in a malicious way. I push Cynthia's buttons because she's really cute when she gets frustrated, just a little bit, not very much you don't want to you know poke poke mama bear too much because I, I saw this thing the other day. I thought was so great. We were actually at the hospital uh, with Levi, and and I saw this thing that said, uh, "Mama bear is a really sweet way of saying I will tear you open and eat your insides if you hurt my child." <laughs> 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 I thought, yes, yes, mama bear. I love it. <laughs> but uh, but no, there there are things that I find amusing or. Or that I would like to do or say because there's nothing like making people laugh even if it's just you, you know. Sometimes you just keep them coming because they just keep coming to you and you're having so much fun and no one else around you is having fun anymore. That's, that's when it's time to stop, right? So when you love somebody, you shut the little faucet of puns off, right? Or Or the really clever stuff. Now John, you're not upset enough for that you're still at the uh mildly irritated phase and, well, and it's like a vending machine. You tell John a pun, and he turns into Doc Brown from back to the future. Yeah. and it's great well. but you know so if I know that something is going to like genuinely be upsetting to Cynthia, do I do it no if i if i think if I could think of something to say that I know is like going to genuinely wound her, am I going to say it no even even if it's even if I feel like it's perfectly justified and 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 right or I feel like I have the right to say this I have the right to do this no, no, and so you can't you can't meditate on Jesus dying for your sins. Um, you know, I, I don't remember how it came up the other day, but somehow something came up about a, about a cat of nine tails at our house in a conversation the other day. I think I was threatening one of the children or something. but um, <laughs> I don't remember, honestly. I, I, but that sounds like something I would say. But, so I was describing for the children what a cat of nine tails is and what it does and how that happened to Jesus and how they you know shredded the the flesh from his back before they they nailed him to the cross and uh you know you you can't think about you know that and then think well just one more time would be fine you know you you can't imagine that kind of agony for somebody that you love and knowing that it's you you know, Isaac Watts wrote that song, "When I Survey the Wondrous Cross." You know, and uh um I think it's that song and he and he says that uh um, you know, behold him there on the cross, uh my sin upon his shoulders. Uh ashamed I hear my mocking voice there among the scoffers. You know, and it's like who would want to be in that place? Actually, I think that is a different song. I think of it, but uh um You know, uh you can't think about that. you can't honestly stop and really meditate on what that really would be like you know and and if you know if if it feels too far away to think of you know of of Jesus like that, imagine somebody somebody with skin on put their face on there, and imagine that it's if well if I were to do this, it would be like doing what happened to Jesus, it would be like doing that to them. Kinda of puts it in perspective then and it changes that sense of why. Do I need to behave holy? Yes I do. Do I need to make choices that are holy? Should I be holy in all manner of conversation? Yes I should. But there's also this sense of creative power. That comes with this just like when jesus said be therefore perfect it's meant to bring you to this place of i can't i can't do that i tried that because then you're forced to throw yourself on his mercy you're forced to throw yourself on his power and and trust him to get it done in you it's it's no different than in genesis when god said let there be light and there was light. His word has that kind of power in your life. And I, every time I read that uh, the first chapter of Genesis, I marvel that he said, "Let there be light," and there was light. This before he made the sun, before he made the moon. It, there was nothing there yet, as far as we can tell by what it, what's there. It just says he said, "Let there be light," and this—the only source I can come up with for where this light would have come from was from his word. Was from him. And so if he has that kind of power when when he speaks, then what happens to you when he says, Be holy for I'm holy. So he he does it to you. But there is this sense of I have to do something. I have to obey him. So, uh, you can keep your finger there, or you can go with me. I want to just read a couple of verses from Genesis seventeen, and let's come right back and you guys know this passage really well and when abraham when abram was ninety nine years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, I love it because it's not Abraham here, it's abram this is this is before God changed his name. It's actually this is when God's if we were in the south I'd say fixin' to change his name. Yeah. So. I was listening to Jimmy Swagger the other day, so you know I'm uh I'm gonna take a trip on a good old gospel ship. And I I don't know, maybe it's just that southern influence of Cynthia's family, but I just want to sing it, I'm fixing to take a trip. Yeah. So but but anyway, that's that's all free. When Abram was ninety nine years old the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and multiply thee exceedingly. You know, and you know, I'm not one of those people that gets all like whoo into, you know, that's all impressed when people you know talk about Jewish stuff and pronounce all the Hebrew stuff just right and everything. But I like this. I am, in the Hebrew, this is, I am the El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God, and and that that word you can't really dig that word down and find anything else that it means in English other than Almighty. And I like that. I mean, what what you know what does that mean? But omnipotent, completely able. That there's nothing that he cannot do. So he 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 gets he tells Abram something that he couldn't do. He said, Walk before me and be perfect. And and you you could say upright, you could say sincere, that's fine. But he said, Walk before me and be perfect. But he prefaces this this command to him, this this his half of part of his half of the covenant, with I am Almighty God. Right. So he's he's reminding him of his power. He's like, I have this power in me. And so what i'm want, what I'm telling you is walk before me and be perfect, and I will make my covenant with you between me and you, and I'm going to multiply you exceedingly and so you go down through this thing and he tells tells him I'm going to name you Abraham, changes his name from exalted father to father of a multitude mm-hmm. and and he said that i I'm, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to multiply you. The only other thing he gives him to do is is uh, this is when he gives him the covenant of circumcision. He's like the only thing you, that I need you to do is have your flesh cut off, and of course that's not even something you can really do. You got you got to have the father to do that, and and so he so he gives him this covenant and tells him to be perfect. So here in in verse sixteen again in First Peter, it says because it is written be holy, for I'm holy, and you know he. I said earlier he was quoting in Leviticus nineteen and he he goes on from there. He he says exactly that, be holy, for I am holy. And then he goes on to reiterate the Ten Commandments. You know, and uh and so he kind of sets out this expectation of, hey, here not this is this is your this is your holiness and and you know. Moses did say in Deuteronomy that it should be our righteousness to, to keep this to keep this law, and that's true. It is your right action, but it's not your justification before God to enter the pearly gates. That's, that was always the blood. But he he reiterates these commandments because here's here's this roadmap to being holy. Because for your part, this is going to uh, uh, require obedience. I'm I'm going to do this, but I need you to work with me. I need you to obey me on these things. On on not not giving your flesh what it wants. So that's what he said here in verse 14. He said not not conforming yourself to your former lusts. So so there are you know, and lusts is an interesting word that um we all understand that 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 just means any kind of desire. And it can be an, an inordinate desire or just a strong desire. Something appropriate or otherwise, but um, so he's saying that that's something that you're going to have to put aside, and uh, and he's going to bring this holiness to pass in us. And so, in verse 17, he didn't think I was ever going to move on from that. If you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So He impartially judges everybody. Puts everybody in the same boat. And of course, we pass the, He says, to pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In that, that fear of God. That reverence of God. And He says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Excuse me. So, conversation again. This is the same word. Not, not you and I talking about uh, something, You know, not talking about the chief's game, not talking about exploding kittens, but it, you know, this is talking about your way of life and, and your, your behavior. So he says that, because he's talking about his holiness and how he's going to make this happen, just like he told Abraham that that he was the almighty God before he told him to be perfect. He talks about calling on God who impartially so it doesn't matter, you know, if, if you've got all your duckies in a row or no. It makes no difference. Because, because he impartially judges according to every man's work. And in fact, this uh, without respect to persons is all one word in the Greek. And it means not accepting any person. So he's not interested in, you know, who you are. You know, there's. It's always interesting, you know, when you get that. Get somebody's like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> it's like, you know, yes, you're the guy that's going to pay full price, just like everyone else. Yeah. And uh, you're the guy who's going to wait in line, just like everyone else is. That's who you are. So, so God does that he He talks about this this holiness that he demands from us, but that he's going to put in us and he says, and then he goes on to say, but you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, from your vain, your useless traditions, your vain conversation, the useless stuff that you received by tradition you know and and of course in this in this day the the church had was still trying to separate itself from the the traditions of the mosaic law that that were things that were types and shadows that had been done away with and of course they also had people who were going back to it you know hence the book of hebrews and so here we are 2000 years later with people trying to go back to it you know um you know, it's like you you go to a church service and they've got like the little like shawls with the little dangly things, and they have got the little shofars and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, <laughs> it's like that's, that's that's real spooky and all, but uh, yeah. uh, it's like, how about we just focus on on Christ here? Because isn't this a spiritual thing? So. So he says you were not redeemed with corruptible stuff, not with money, not with you know, and you know, and you, you. He redeems us from vain traditions. The the you know, and and it you know could be religious, could be otherwise, could even just be the 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 vain conversation that you you learned that you got from Adam off the tree, the, that that way of life that is you know I, I like you know vain is a good word. Means void of force, and powerless, useless. So he says, "You're not redeemed with that stuff, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you." So, uh, and. God read 21, who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So he's saying it's not, it's not about, it's not about the, the way that you lived before. It's not about what you could do now. That, that It's the blood of Christ that makes you holy. It's that presence of God that dwells in you that makes you holy I, I always like to tell the old folks at the, the old folks home it's like you know the, the ground around the burning bush was not holy because they they had their name in, uh, engraved on a little plaque on the end of a pew somewhere because they they tithed faithfully it was because the presence of god was there that's what made that ground holy because it was just dirt but the presence of god makes makes us holy and in the church, we've taken that sense of, okay, well, God lives in me, so I'm holy. As as this um, cop out of whether or not we have to obey God and actually live holy. And, and so He tells us, yes, He's like, do I expect you to live holy, or do I, am I going to do it in you? And the answer is, yes. I know people that hate it when when I do that they'll ask they'll give me two questions you know they'll give me two options and I answer them with yes <laughs> but it's a good answer because both are the answer to both of them is yes is God going to do this in me? Yes, does God expect me to obey him? Yes, so am I going to be holy because I obey him? Yes am I going to be holy because he lives in me and because he's going to Caused me to burst into flame, like we talked about earlier, and consume me? Yes. So, Jesus, we appreciate Your Word to us. This, the creative power of Your Word. God, I just accept it this morning. God, that, uh, Lord, where You're where you're telling me to toe the line, I want to toe the line. And where You're telling me to uh, put down the tools and let You do it, God, I want to let You do it. God and I just pray for every person in this place that we would receive from you this morning that holiness. God, that we would receive the the faith from you to take hold of these things. God, the understanding and the faith to sort through all of the 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 stuff that religion would throw at us, that the devil would throw at us, God, that God, not an intellectual wrangling through these things, but a, a holding to your word and a trusting in you. God, today I just pray that you would uh, touch this service. And just yes. bless it as only you can. Uh, God, I just pray for your perfect presence. God, to do in this place today. God, in the service, in the funeral. God, everything today. God, do exactly what you want to do. God, minister as only you can to every need as only you know. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.